Google remains firm in removing Canadian news content after the government released the draft of the Online News Act. Canada is considering leading a UN military intervention in Haiti even as the government slashes its defense budget. A delegation of some of Alberta's most prominent business leaders descended on Ottawa and warned Prime Minister Justin Trudeau about his government's decarbonization plans and their effects on the cost of living. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, October 5th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Lindsay Shepard. And I'm Isaac Lamaru. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Some expected that new draft regulations released by the Trudeau government this week would see tech giants like Google and Meta reverse their positions. However, on Tuesday, Google announced that will not be the case. While news content will still remain searchable on Google's website and other products for the time being, a spokesperson for the company said that Google will, quote, await the publication of final regulations regarding the Online News Act before making a decision on pulling news. The draft regulations underwent a 30-day comment period for feedback and proposed changes, which has now come to a close. A Google spokesperson said, quote, Unfortunately, the proposed regulations fail to sufficiently address the critical structural problems with C-18 that regrettably were not dealt with during the legislative process. The company said that they were prepared to pull Canadian news content from Google Search as well as their other platforms as a result of Bill C-18 passing through legislation. Conversely, the Office of Heritage Minister Pascal Saint-Ange believes that a deal can still be reached under the current legislation. The Online News Act forces Google and Meta to pay Canadian news outlets for their content when users post and share news links and articles. Meta has already begun blocking news in Canada on its two major social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. The Online News Act will come into effect by the end of 2023. Isaac, it's pretty clear tech companies like Google and Meta are going to be just fine without showing Canadian news content. So when will the government back down from this bill? Yeah, Lindsay, it's clear to me that the government isn't scared of Google and Meta. They're more than happy passing these bills and saying, okay, if you're taking down our content, it is what it is. Something else that's interesting is that Elon Musk has been quite vocal about this on Twitter. Obviously, Twitter is not a part of Google or Meta, but if a bill were passed to also control media on Twitter, uh, Elon Musk has been pretty vocal about that. So that's pretty interesting. You know, Isaac, I would say that the government of Canada is scared. Uh, because I think they're bluffing, and I think they've gotten themselves into a a no-win situation already. You know, from the outside looking in, imagine that in Canada, on on Facebook and Instagram, a news company can't have an account. It just shows up as as blocked. I think for people in other countries, that would come off as as really strange. And I I do worry about a day which could be coming up within the next few months where I want to Google the latest news on something important, like a new policy, or how politicians are spending taxpayer money, or a criminal case, and there simply will be no results on Google coming from Canadian sources. And, you know, because a lot of other countries just simply don't care about Canada, we can't trust international outlets to be covering, you know, the the minute details of Canadian policy and Canadian news. Um, Could we use alternative internet browsers like Bing? 
perhaps, um, you know, this legislation does seem to really be focused only on Google and Meta, but um, that so far is unanswered. And, and I think we all know that we don't want a Canadian population that isn't informed and, and isn't up to date on the news. And I don't blame Google and Meta in this situation, but I think the government of Canada is realizing they they have caused this and they're they're pretending like it's all okay, but they know it's not. The Liberal government is debating whether Canada should lead a United Nations military intervention aimed at restoring order and stability in Haiti as the Caribbean country faces a humanitarian crisis. Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Joly told reporters on Tuesday that she has been in discussions with the UN and Kenya which has expressed a willingness to spearhead the operation if Canada doesn't step up to the plate. Jolie did not specify the nature of Canada's support, but she emphasized Ottawa's endorsement of a dialogue among Haitian stakeholders to arrive at a consensus on fair elections. Jolie's comments come at a time when the Liberal government looks to pull $1 billion in funding from the defence budget, and military leaders are warning that Canada simply doesn't have the resources to take on such a critical mission. Canada's highest-ranking military officer said in March that the Canadian armed forces were already stretched thinly and would struggle to lead such a mission. Haiti, the most impoverished nation in the Western Hemisphere, has been engulfed in turmoil since mid-2021, following the assassination of its president by foreign mercenaries. Subsequently, rival factions have competed for authority and criminal gangs have exploited the ensuing chaos to expand their dominion across significant portions of the country. Canada's armed forces is in such poor shape, and now with cuts to the military by the government, Lindsay, why is Canada sending money to Haiti? And how do Canadians benefit from this? Yeah, I I know the libertarian perspective would be, you know, you just have to leave this country alone. Um, But I mean, for example, just one of the ways Canadians would benefit uh, from stability in Haiti is we want to avoid an an exodus of, of refugees and migration. But you know, I think the question comes up, do we have a moral obligation? Because according to the UN, there are an estimated 150 criminal groups currently fighting over territory in Port-au-Prince and its metropolitan region. Other reports say it's more like six major gangs, but the UN also estimates that the groups control nearly 90% of the city, and there is mass kidnapping, murder, and rape of girls, boys, women, and men. And when you read what it looks like to be in Haiti right now. It's truly horrific. It is like hell on earth. And I can't imagine being there. And, you know, in the last year and a half, Canada has given $8 billion to Ukraine. That's billion with a B. And $100 million to Haiti. And with regards to Haiti, the U.S. and the Haitian government have asked Canada for help. And critics are saying if we don't help, we will increasingly look weak and irrelevant, and that's not good for us or for anyone else. Uh, when they ask for help, do you think that Canada as a country really could be uh, the difference maker in that country, or are there other countries that could perhaps play uh, a bigger role? Well, Isaac, I do know that the Canadian Armed Forces is facing a shortage of about 16,000 members right now. And, you know, some people who, who are following the crisis within the forces, they'll know that there's a lot of diversity and inclusion initiatives going on within the forces. Um, and some people might think it's, it's funny or it's no big deal. But a few years ago now, I covered a story for True North where a former university lecturer named Mark Hecht was rejected from the forces after going through the majority of the interviewing and testing process. And he passed through the majority of the process. 
but they discovered that he wrote an op-ed in 2019 in the Vancouver Sun that was critical of immigration and talked about the importance of integration. And so because this man, Mark Hecht, was seen as an, you know, an anti-diversity person, uh, in real life, he's, he's a really smart and, and kind man. But the military rejected him, um, even though they're, they're saying they're always short on recruits. And I saw the letter that they sent him. The diversity reason is literally why they rejected him, because of that op-ed. So is diversity inclusion ideology ripping apart the Canadian forces and undermining the forces? Yes. A delegation of some of Alberta's most prominent business leaders descended on Ottawa Wednesday to meet with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and discuss the pace of his government's decarbonization plans and their effects on cost of living. Led by a consortium of Alberta economic development agencies, chambers of commerce, and policy organizations, the delegation was comprised of over 50 CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders. Self-dubbed One Alberta, One Canada, the delegation heard from Trudeau in the afternoon, who used the meeting as an opportunity to take jabs at certain politicians. Our government has made a significant commitment to being a partner with the business community in our collective work to build a clean economy. We've committed billions through investment tax credits for CCS, clean electricity, and clean technology. Comme je l'ai dit, il y a beaucoup d'incertitudes et de changements autour de nous tous. Et la meilleure façon d'avoir un avenir prospère, c'est d'avoir une vision et faire les investissements nécessaires qui vont permettre de garder des bons emplois et des bons travailleurs en Alberta. Unfortunately, there are politicians who'd rather rile up people's fears and anxieties instead of focusing on what we can do, what we need to do to secure a strong future for our economy. We need to make the very best use of the know-how of our energy industry and energy workers so we can make sure that Canada continues to lead. The politicians who'd rather deny the facts of the matter than take action to meet this moment are denying certainty to investors and business leaders, denying workers opportunities, and denying our kids and grandkids the secure future they deserve. Some delegates expressed concerns about the pace of the government's net zero policies. Synovus Energy Executive Chair Alex Pourbet told the Canadian press, quote, We share a lot of the aspirations of the federal government when it comes to decarbonization, but we have to have very, very thoughtful discussions about the pace of that and the impact on Canadians in terms of what it is going to mean to our cost of living and what it is going to mean to our quality of life. The sizable gathering comes at a time when tensions between the federal government and Alberta Premier Danielle Smith are high. Smith has vowed to not follow the Liberal government's 2035 timeline to achieve a net zero electricity grid. Isaac, it's pretty obvious Trudeau is referencing Smith in his comments about certain politicians um, when referencing politicians who stoke fear and anxieties. What exactly is he talking about? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, obviously, I live in Alberta, and one of Smith's even main points when she was running for office was that she vowed to, quote unquote, protect Alberta from federal regulations that would hurt Alberta's economy, uh, obviously the oil and gas industry, right? And she's been quite vocal on um, social media of late with her petition from tellthefeds.ca, essentially writing to the MPs and voicing your concerns about the rushed aspect of these goals. 
on the website, it says even that the estimated $1.7 trillion cost of achieving a net zero grid by 2035 will, quote, leave our power grid dependent on intermittent and unreliable sources like solar and wind. However, on the website, it also says that Ottawa's carbon neutral goals can be achieved by 2050. So Smith's main concern isn't so much the electoral goals to begin with, but perhaps more so the pacing of the goals and that the, the, the pacing is really the unrealistic factor here. Yeah. And, you know, this tell the feds campaign that you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, this is an Alberta government campaign. It's taking place in multiple provinces where they are displaying messages on trucks, billboards, television, social media that are pushing back against net zero policy, as you described. And, you know, some of the messages say no one wants to freeze in the dark, no one wants blackouts, and no one wants to pay more for power than they have to. Isaac, the Smith government has threatened to use the Sovereignty Act to push back against Trudeau's clean electricity regulations. Do you think the feds will back down from their 2035 target? I don't know whether the feds will back down or not. They've thus far, they've seemed to stand pretty firmly by it. Of course, uh, a change in federal government uh, would change this. Also, if enough people contact their MPs through the tellthefeds.ca goal or otherwise, uh, that could definitely have some influence. For example, I saw in the House yesterday uh, that one Liberal MP, Ken McDonald, voted in favor of the opposition's proposal to repeal the carbon tax. And obviously, if a lot of MPs from the Liberal cabinet start voting against these policies, that's going to have a huge sway on their approach and their goals. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live today at 1 p.m. Eastern, and Ratioed with Harrison Faulkner will be live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors, and if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Bye! Bye!